You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech and, well, basically... Anything else that catches our eye, this is the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everyone. Well, this week, Apple quietly emasculated macOS server, removed Telegram from the App Store for a little bit, and allegedly pushed back some iOS features to focus more on reliability and performance. We're looking at you, hi, Sierra. Meanwhile, open source turned 20 years old, a Florida man gets mind-controlled robotic prosthetic arm, or I should say gets a mind-controlled robotic prosthetic arm, and British MP Matt Hancock, digital secretary, has a social app that is a privacy horror. And if that isn't enough, I'm back. But more importantly, we've got a guest of Scott Wilsley from the Don't, and I'm going to pr- struggle to pronounce this like I do pretty much anything I ever say, the Don't Nihongo It Alone and the recently revived Pocket Side podcast. How are we doing? And of course, sorry, I should say, and uh, of course, a big thank you to Simon for covering me for the last few weeks because I have been ill and I still am. But you know what? It's Sunday and I'm going to try and power through an episode. So, Simon, we'll go with Simon first. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm all right, mate. Yes, I'm all right. My knee is magically getting better. Um, I finally gave in and went to the doctors, and they said, oh, I think we better get an X-ray of that. And then, of course, the next day, my knee ma- magically became about 100% better. Oh, uh, yes. I know where you're coming from on that. I've got to go and have a, a brain CT scan jobby. Uh, and a week away from it, it's like, oh, well, suddenly some of those symptoms that I've been complaining about for the last few weeks um, have suddenly cleared, cleaned up. But we don't want to whinge about our ailments because we have a guest. Scott, how are you doing and where are you calling from us in the world on this lovely Sunday? If it is Sunday, you're not halfway around the world and it's actually a Monday for you, day, evening, morning. <laughs> no, it is not a Monday, day, evening, morning. It's Sunday and uh, I'm I'm in, I'm in right near Portland, Oregon, for people who know what, where that is. It's basically on the west coast of the United States of America and I believe you guys are ahead of me, so in the time. So oh, I was going to say, for, for us to be ahead of anyone, that'll be a cold day in hell. <laughs> so we always like, you know, being British, one of the things I always like to ask a, a guest coming on to the, onto the show is, what's the weather like today? Today it is cloudy. Just cloudy, no rain yet, but it probably will. And can you give us the temperature in a proper measuring uh, system, as in Celsius, not that stupid fang-dangled Fahrenheit nonsense? Oh, <laughs> boy. Wow, you're asking a lot of me. Uh, Yes, I can. Just not right this second. Yeah, uh, you, you mean I'll go on to Google now and convert Fahrenheit into Celsius? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I still can't wrap my head around this whole pound thing. Why don't you just use kilos? It, it just works better. Well, I, I'm totally with you. So I would love, I, I'm a little weird. I would love metric for everything, but for the temperature, I feel like the Fahrenheit makes more sense. It's just more intuitive. Like, um, yeah, because it 100 definitely seems hot, you know, it for temperature, I agree with it, but yeah, I, the metric is the way to go. I, where I work, we have a mix of metric and Imperial and it just infuriates me. I just want us, you know, I just wish we could have switched over. We tried, in the was it the 70s that america tried to switch over the 80s we tried and america failed so we gave up <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if it's next on donald trump's list of crazy well, things to do you know, if how, you're, how uh... is that war coming along donald how is it going <laughs> if you if you like my dad you know he'll, he'll go to the he'll go to the diy store and say i want i want a piece of wood and i need it 
you know, 25 mil by 25 mil by three foot. Yep. I, I've had to go and do my fair share of builders places the last few weeks, but that's for, that is a, for a completely different podcast. Maybe who knows? So Ooh. Scott, you've got this, uh, don't go it alone. So if you've never heard about it, what would be your elevator pitch? What is that podcast all about? It is about the experience of learning Japanese. It's not teaching you Japanese. It's about the experience of learning Japanese. So resources, uh, commiseration, personal feelings, blah, blah, blah. All right. So it's not like, uh, you, this is how you say a word and, uh, the, like what would like preposition or supposition or anything like it's literally, more of a story about learning the language than actually telling you how to learn the language. Is that about right? Yeah, it's myself and my friend Jeff Ruberg, and we're both uh, not Japanese, as you might expect from our names. And so we're not going to... The last thing we want to do is try to teach people Japanese, but but we are both either... Um, you know, relearning or uh, what's it called? Reviewing or whatever, or learning. And then we're also, you know, moving on and learning more kanji or whatever. So it's just a process thing. It's just like, um, here's the tools that we use uh, and some of the things um, along the way that we're doing. So what made you, what made you do this then? What was, what's the idea behind it? Uh, well, I, I've known kind of Jeff online for a while and I know that he was, inter- he's interested in Japanese culture and especially anime and things like that. And when I was a kid, I lived in Japan for eight years. And so when I came back, the the great learning tools that we have online and, all, and kind of all the resources that we take for granted now really didn't exist. And so I went for a long time without hearing any Japanese, seeing anything in Japanese, talking to any Japanese people. And then in recent years, the company I work for, we have uh, people coming over here from Japan to work on projects with us because some of the co- equipment that we work with, the engineering departments are in Japan. And so um, I just thought, you know what? I, I lived there for eight years as a kid. I still remember some of it, but not as much as I'd like to. I never was extremely good at reading kanji because I didn't I didn't go to a Japanese school when I was there. So I just started diving in and studying kanji and trying to refresh my spoken Japanese. And that that's basically what it was all about. Well, they, they do often say that if you're going to do a podcast or do anything, if you just do something that you're passionate about and then you literally just find content that just goes along with the story that you're trying to tell. It's it's like any, well, I've, been, I've been reading a few sort of blogs on a few ideas that I've had and you can always tell the blogs where it's been written by a journalist who has taken a cursory look rather than someone who's put blood, sweat and tears into whatever it is they're writing about. Uh, instead yeah. of, you know, like I say, just the whole journalistic sort of thing. So how, how long have you been going then with this podcast? How many episodes are you up to? Oh boy, I have to go look. We're really, we're not doing it every week by any means. In fact, we're not even doing it every month. I think the last time that we podcasted was probably a couple of months ago, but I think our, I think what we agreed upon was we're not going to talk just to, just to hear ourselves talk. We're going to talk when we have something to say, and, and this probably won't be a very long run podcast. It'll probably be just a short series and then it'll be done. Uh, we started in february of last year so it's been a year but in that year we've managed five entire episodes so that should tell you something about the frequency but it's more of a do we have something new that people might benefit from it's it's supposed to be a resource not a here's what's new in the world of japanese because there really isn't anything new in the world of learning (laughs) japanese so basically you're ignoring the whole paradigm of podcasting where you've got to be regular and you've got to do it every week and you've got to be consistent in all these things instead uh you're just doing it as and when which yeah because it's for a very specific type of audience and they're not going to care about the time any the timeline anyway and uh you know if will green can get away with it with a very british uh podcast 
I'm sure Scott can get away with doing five a year. Well, and if nobody listens, hey, it's only five podcasts they didn't listen to. <laughs> so you've also got the other, uh, Simon's mentioned this, and I do apologize. I've yet to sort of, um, this is not good to say to a guest, isn't it? So I could have blagged it and go, yeah, you're doing a really good show called Deep Pocket Size Podcast. Um, I haven't listened to it. Sorry, but it, it will be on my list. So can you tell us about that podcast as well? And what <laughs> sure. was, so, 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 I mean, the notes I've got here says that it's been recently revived. Why did you recently revive it and what stopped it be being alive in the first place? All right. Well, that one, I'm trying to remember what the history was. I should think I should have it on my about page, but uh, no, I don't. Anyway, we, we, um, I started that one. I don't even remember what year it was. Oh, it was 2010. I started that one in 2010 and I started it alone and it was horrible. And then I got my friend Peter Nicolaitis to join me once in a while. And then uh, I was having a hard time tracking him down. So I got my friend Ronnie Lutz to join me. And poor Ronnie never even made it to 50 episodes before we decided we were tired of it and quit in 2014. So we had a three-year hiatus. Um, I like podcasting. No one listens, which is fine, but I, I just like doing it. I wanted to do it again. And I thought, you know, it, we're at a point where I've been, I, I took a break from it long enough. I want to do this again. It sounds fun. And Ronnie kind of agreed. So it kind of happened really fast where all of a sudden we were just like, let's do it. And the next day we recorded. Uh, unfortunately, we made it one episode in a row. And then uh, uh, Ronnie had some things come up this week. So we didn't record this week, but we'll be back. Um, but yeah, basically we... I think what we got tired of was we got tired of being super narrowly focused on the same things every week. Um, but I, I think now in the time that's intervened, we've, we've kind of, uh, A, there's interesting stuff going on with Apple again, for good or bad. What, you know, and then secondly, I think that we've just decided, you know, we can approach this in a way that's fun for us. And I don't know, we both just wanted to do it at the same time. It was kind of weird. So anyway, it's back. And I have listened and, uh, yes, it is a very good podcast. Oh, and about, I, I, mostly, I meant... obviously, about iOS, mostly, of course. Right. And I, and I did want to say there is absolutely no obligation for either of you or anyone listening to to listen. I don't. I don't. It's fine. I always feel bad, though, if like we've got a guest on and they haven't, they've, they've got a podcast and it really does bug me personally the fact that i haven't taken like time out of my i'm really shooting myself in the foot here that <laughs> no, i haven't you know, taken I, I understand. time to sort of you know get down and you know just do the basics uh-huh. uh, but my life my excuse is my life has really gotten the better of me at the moment but this is the thing it's i i still tend to feel for me personally it's a little bit like tv programs that i may or may not source using um sonar is that it's very easy to get trapped into listening to weekly episodes of ATP, Daring Fireball, and they become like your mainstay. You, uh, you sort mm-hmm. of forget. It's like listening to music. You get into a genre, then you stop exploring or giving other shows uh, a try because it's so easy to compare them to you know, these brilliantly. I'm not saying that yours isn't brilliant, brilliantly produced, but you uh, hear all these shows that I've got, like, you know, you listen to Marco Arman and like, you know, half the stuff he even touches about his audio production stuff. And I'm going, I can't even figure out how I can uh, level an, some audio within Reaper and export it as a WAV so I get to keep on my markets. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. But at the same time, look, life is short. Every single one of us has to determine how we're going to spend our time, how it benefits us and our families the best. And a lot of stuff's not going to make the cut. And if, if 
for whoever out there, my stuff doesn't make the cut. That's fine. You have to live with yourself. I don't. So you got to make those decisions for yourself, and I'm totally okay with it. Awesome. So, okay, well, let's just go a little bit nerdy, though. What are you using to record your show with? What sort of equipment? What sort of editing processes do you use? Well, I, I'm not like uh, the guys that you just mentioned on ATP. I don't have a uh, mixer or anything like that. I'm actually kind of simple right now, but... Uh, as you may know, there's a couple new things thrown in. So uh, right now I'm just using a Rode Podcaster. I also have an AT, what is it, 20-something. It's on my daughter's desk right now. Sometimes we record Minecraft videos together. So right now she's got that mic. Um, so I'm using a Rode Podcaster attached to an iMac, a, a late 2015 uh, Core i7 iMac, 5K. And I use Audio Hijack Pro to do, sorry, Audio Hijack to do the recording. And I'm also now using Loopback and Farago so that uh, because Farago, which is a soundboard application, was just recently released by Rogue Amoeba. Phew, oh, I was going to say, were you on the beta? Because we were sort of like, we got onto the beta and they said, yeah, uh-huh. just don't, don't don't mention the name. So thankfully we don't have to edit that point out. Right. No, no, no. I was no, not on the beta. It's released now. Yeah. But, it's um, released now anyway. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, so, but so recently, just with the very last episode of um, a podcast I do with my friend Peter, we I tried this and I set it. I set up all my clips and basically I just did my intro uh, and then you know played it off the soundboard, all the clips that I wanted, and then we did the talking and then I did the outro the same way. So now I'm recording it all straight into Audio Hijack on its own track. So I'll have myself on one track, uh, whoever else on the other track, and then they'll send me their own self-recorded track, and then I've got the soundboard in the center track with all the intro stuff all the sounds whatever happens during the podcast and then and then i'll just uh put dump those into logic line them up and that's pretty much it always using the heavyweight software of logic yeah the reason i like logic is because it makes it jason snell turned me on to this feature of it i wouldn't use logic except i like using the strip silences feature combined with the um shift f where if you highlight you can highlight one part of a track shift f and it'll grab everything from then on and you can just eliminate silences in in so so little time it's just so fast to just get out all the and the other thing when you strip silences is you can see where there's people talking over each other people are coughing whatever's going on you can just get rid of all that stuff so so fast yeah Uh, reaper's got a similar sort of um function but instead you do what's called a dynamic audio split so when your audio goes down to below a certain level for a certain time it then splits that audio and then you can just go along and delete blocks but it is fairly sort of manually intensive like i say i haven't worked out how you just sort of um grab an image sorry not grab an image grab some audio and then export it nicely leveled so i'm having to do a bit of a hodgepodge at the moment um so on just having a look here on your i'm just going back to your podcast uh the the title here no one cares about iphones anymore if you managed to have a fondle with the iphone x does that does the x still appeal to you or are we is everyone a bit fed up and go yeah yeah the the x is old news now they're going to cancel it next year anyway oh no no uh, well i don't know if they're going to cancel it but no i i think the iphone 10 is great i i want one it and ronnie has my co-host ronnie has one and you know i played with i've played with some in an apple store for a while and and it just so intuitive i thought this is going to be a pain to learn how to use but really it wasn't um no that title came about from the fact that uh i don't know there was some oh it was interest in new iphones near historic lows and new cohen survey so it was basically a survey that was put out in there and it was it was like a thousand people out of all the you know billions of ios devices sold they they 
pulled like a thousand people and decided that no one cares about iPhones anymore. So <laughs> it was kind of taking a poke at that. Yeah, that's a classic. Uh, like all these things at the minute, and then they've been going on. It's all over the shop, you know. Oh, Apple slashing component orders for ten. You know, proof that it's not selling. Really? Well, that's not what Tim said, is it? At the at the earnings, you know. Oh, right. It's, it's but it's like everything now, isn't it? Like everyone is trying to pull uh, an Apple downer. Like Apple haven't sold as many iPhones. Sales are disappointing. Really? So let me get this right. I've sold a product, less of them, but for more money. And I'm upset. No, no, no. I think you'll find that's where you want to be. You sell less of something to make more money. That's a pretty darn good thing. And it just bugs the living daylights out of me about how desperate they are. And then you got Ming Ji Kuo coming on in like, you know, respected analyst Ming Ji Kuo. And it's always the same sites that refer to him. Yes, he's got lucky a few times. If you were to go back at 2017 and see just how many times you, you go on to the sites like uh, of Oh, what's that one? I keep going on to accidentally. I can't remember. But anyway, you go in. You go in Google his name. Find a website that has his name tagged, so you can get all the chronological posts. You'll see how he chops and changes every so often. And because we're in this whole media thing where we've all got the attention span of a fruit fly, we only remember the latest thing, and we always forget about when he got it wrong. Yeah, I was, well, going, to, I was going to talk with this rant. I can't remember now. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, it, just in that vein it's funny because right now you can still see headline conflicting headlines even sometimes from the same website that say iphone sales disappointing iphone sets uh you know whatever billion of dollars they it's it's like side by side iphone sold great this time including iphone 10 which nobody expected uh apparently except for apple and then right below that is something about how disappointing iphone sales are it doesn't make any sense at all they're not even reading their own stuff let alone analyzing well, whatever some of those sites like bg bgr the one for that they just publish anything that some people send to them i think so uh, right. we mark and i have commented on that before particularly on bgr where they'll have you know there'll be literally a story saying you know uh, like you say you know apple iPhone sales break new records, and then below it, the next one, Apple's iPhone, you know, sales misery. <laughs> it's just another person's yeah. view of it. And, um, I mean, the whole market's down. There's a story here. We'll go on to it in a bit. I mean, it's tooled, titled iPhone Supercycle Pronounced Dead, and it was on Blomberg. But uh, I chose that one rather than the straight uh, earnings call comment mm-hmm. because it's got a little bit more... Um, it's got a little bit more depth. It talks about the whole phone market. Um, I mean, sales are down. Well, yes, Apple's iPhone sales are down one percent year on year. Um, right. But it's a it's a it's a thirteen week quarter this year, and it was a fourteen week quarter last year. The whole market is down, um, and there's a chart in that article uh, which shows only only Motorola and. Um, one of the Chinese brands actually grew their sales shipments. Everybody else is down. Some of them are down a lot. Um, so, you know, Tim Cook seems to think they've done quite well. I'll, I'll take his word for it. You know what I mean? Well, if your profits are up, but then we get into this whole, um, oh, yes, I've got two things. So we get into the whole things of Apple profits are up, but not as much as analysts expected. But they're still up. If I was making a billion pounds pretty much every time I farted, I'd be very happy. Um, 
and sorry, while I've been while you've been talking there, I've just been looking. So the one of the things that got me the other week was the iPhone X. Apple could scrap brand new handsets, uh, and this is from the Sun, that bastion of fine journalism here in the UK. Uh, and it's like, uh, so let me just read the bit of this for you. Apple could cancel its new iPhone, iPhone X smartphone as soon as summer, according to one top analyst. Can we see where this is going? The company is supposedly struggling to justify iPhone X production because of poor sales and may scrap the phone later this year. <clears throat> Renowned analyst and Apple expert Minji Ko has warned that Apple's latest iPhone will be in the end of life stage in the summer of 2018. Now, hang on a second. Isn't that what happens every year? Well, of course. Every year, well, almost yes. Every <laughs> every year, the top phone gets dethroned. But um, I think what they're trying to hint at is the rumor, and it is rumor, is that they're going to do an iPhone five with the 10 in the oh, it didn't goes. hang around whereas the other phones normally don't know they get the previous year's phone gets downgraded to um you know the budget model right. yeah I've, I've got a theory but i think apple have had to sort of do that because they can't you know it's it's one of the rare times that apple is sort of gently nudging people along to say you know these phones aren't going to be around for ages that chip's going to be out of date soon well uh, i don't I, I suspect that the thing is, next year, there will be some new iPhones. They will be 10-like, but the 10 may simply disappear. Yeah, I mean, this is what... Uh, like they did with the 5. You know, the 5 yeah. never hung around, did it? The, the 5 was discontinued and replaced by the 5C. Right, and it wasn't it wasn't an indication of failure. It was just an indication of, okay, we're moving on to the 5S style for the top, and the 5 is fine, but we're going to go to the 5C for the low end, and that didn't work out as well. But yeah, but it wasn't an indication of failure of the 5. Everybody that had an iPhone 5 liked them. It doesn't mean... Oh, I had a 5. It was a brilliant phone. Absolutely right. beautiful phone. Um, and, and of it, course, it lives on as the SE, and the people who have SEs, you know, seem, seem to be absolutely besotted with them. Because if you like that form factor, then the SE is a fabulous phone. But this, the, going on this article, it says here, so it's believed that poor demand for the iPhone X in China is causing Apple uh, issues. Co believes that a big reason why the iPhone X may be struggling is the demand in China. Apparently, Chinese customers are disappointed about the usable space. It's all thanks to that infamous notch, a chunk of plastic, and this is word for word, a chunk of plastic that stakes out from top of the screen, designed <laughs> to house these sensors and everything else like that, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then right at the very end, so we've had all this doom, we've had all this gloom, and the final paragraph goes, analyst Daniel Lives tells the Sun that prediction of the iPhone X being cold this year are probably false. So you've got a whole article here that's just a contradiction. <laughs> yeah, that... And that was when I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm ill, because sometimes you need a break from this Apple. Um, <laughs> Apple. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you look at if you look at the, um, the earnings call, basically in China, in urban China, which is, of course, where they're going to be buying iPhones, uh, the top five sm smartphones in the quarter were all iPhones. I, I it just the whole I think I don't know the numbers. Maybe maybe iPhone sales did go down in China, but they were still the top five smartphones. So if they did go down in China and they're the top five, that means other ones went down as well. It just there's people are not thinking at all about what they're putting out there. They're just not even trying to analyze or temper, you know, whatever is is uh, screaming in the headline. Well, the, the other thing is, you know, it's a smartphones are a mature market now. I think it was Benedict Evans uh, on Twitter posted a graph 
which, uh, you know, he says, oh, I'm getting sick of doing this graph because it, nothing changes now. It's the market is <laughs> the market is mature. And he's saying basically there are three manufacturers who get over 100 million units a year. And that's Apple, you know, Samsung, Apple and uh, I can't remember the third one. The third one was, you know, quite considerably less, but it was one of the Chinese ones. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think it was Xiaomi. It was Huawei, I think. Um, but the point is, if you look, you looked at the graph for the last few years, it's just flat. You've got Samsung as a flat line. Apple as a flat line. And uh, mm-hmm. to some extent, who are we still rising? But and then everybody else is way, way down the graph, you know. Um, but he said, as you can see, this is a, this is now a mature, stable market. And when that happens, uh, you, you're not going to continue. You're not going to see this endless growth or, you know, double digit growth year on year because everybody's got one. Now what you're on is replacement mm-hmm. upgrades and new you know new people coming into the ecosystem as they become old enough to either get their own phone or to be given a phone by their parents but that's and probably even... right that's probably you know in in um to some extent that's that's going to be evened out by people at the top end you know who are sadly end of life themselves and no longer have any <laughs> use for their phone um, but, but even even with that though, like there's a paragraph on six colors where Tim Cook specifically addressed the China thing, and it says, "This is a quote. Specifically, the numbers this quarter are reported as 11% increase for Greater China year over year. Uh, on an average weekly revenue basis, they were up 19%. So that's revenue." Um, in China, we had an all-time record for revenue in mainland China, and of course, a key part of that was iPhone. And then he goes on to talk about the top five smelling, five selling smartphones in urban China were all iPhones. So China did grow, according to Apple. It mm. might not be a huge amount of growth, but it was better. But somehow, that's a disappointment. Look, I'm well. Analysts I'm, are always disappointed, aren't they? They all, because they always want you know. Apple say we we predict we're going to make seventy seven million you know dollars or billion dollars or whatever it is and um analysts go nah you should we we really wanted 80 it's like well well yeah they make up a projection that may or may not have anything to do with reality and then they punish the company when they don't meet the projection it doesn't matter what the company says here's what we think we're going to hit it matters what the analysts say and then the company gets punished because they didn't meet the analysts imaginary numbers exactly um, it was like the other thing. I've, I've seen a whole load this week of, you know, oh, Apple shares crash 4%, you know, on bad uh, bad earnings call or whatever. Uh, yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, in case you didn't notice, the whole stock market has kind of bombed over the last month, you know. So, well, uh, to give you another idea is like in I mean, the th- let's I mean the thing is if Apple were to ever ever struggle and things were to sort of go a bit south, all they'd have to do is go, you know what, we're going to drop a hundred dollars off all our phones, and they could do, and they would still make lots and lots of money, and then they would corner the market. It's it's the whole th- it's the mindset of racing to the bottom, but it's like in work, you know, you try dealing, you can get cheaper Android handsets. There's no denying that a lot of the handsets are quite good no denying that try managing them 
in a corporate environment. I know because I do it and I can tell you from experience, it's a minefield. Half the stuff doesn't work. When it does, you've got to wait for a bug fix. And every single time we've had an Apple product in, it's taken a fraction of the time to get it in, set it up, away we go. There's no problems with apps. There's no problems with setting it up. Authentication. You can literally push out everything you need to go. And well, the, the only other... reason why we haven't gone to uh, Apple is basically we just can't afford it. Yeah. We the other th- thing that worries me about Android in the workplace is we use Android at where I work. And, uh, of course, we have, you know, intellectual property and we're supposed to be careful and we're not supposed to talk about certain things to people who don't need to know, blah, blah, blah. But then we use these Samsung phones and you fire them up and the Samsung Knox thing says, we're sending some of your information to Samsung so they can, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if you install any Android app, it basically says, I need permission to do just about everything on your oh, phone. Yeah. No, and it makes me wonder, what are, why are we using these things? It seems crazy to me, but hey, whatever. I guess my company knows better. So why, yeah, why does the weather app need to know my contacts? That's always bugged me. It's like, why do some apps, um, you cite, like, I mean, you can do it on the Mac. Now, if you, um, oh, you install some app and it uses Google authentication, it says, we need uh, to use to use our app or whatever, whatever. We need access to all your contacts and all your emails. Why do you need that if I'm just going to write a document? Yeah. And if I say no, I don't get to use it. So we're, in some ways, we actually just sell our own, uh, sell our own information. But I get it every day. You know, um, we, I mean, we use Meraki to manage our stuff and i've just recently turned on the uh, notifications to say apps that apps that change their permissions uh what is it yeah and an app has changed its permissions and that requires access to the following Mm. and you just see that list grow and grow and grow and i'm going yeah this is like this isn't to say that android isn't a good phone when used personally you know far from it i yeah it's, it's quite an enjoyable experience but in the workplace no, but it seems like people forget that there is a cost to someone having to manage and do things. But as long as the, as long as the cost of the price is uh, the the phone is low, that's all we care about. We should really try and do some of the stories we've got. Really, um, <laughs> should we try that? Should we actually um try and go into some Apple news that's actually relevant, and we're not just all having a bitch about everything? <laughs> uh, what what do we got? Uh, the HomePods. First of all, before we go into it, is anyone interested in HomePod? No, I'm not. Uh, no well it's not that i'm not interested it's just i'm not interested enough and there's no way that i will justify buying one right now yeah i think that about sums sums up my i'm not interested enough to go and drop 320 quid i and they see i'm a little bit different i love my sonos i've got to play one it's very very rarely turned off over the weekend and i absolutely love it however the other week, I was around the friends and I used Alexa. And you know, when you go, ahoy, hoy, Alexa, the response time is absolutely mind blowing. Now, bearing in, I know I'm late to this party, I, you know, because uh, I've not been exposed to it. And I actually felt really socially awkward when I went, ahoy, hoy, telephone, as in Siri, uh, put in the same request, and then you have that two second lag. And after you've been around Alexa or Google, that lag just seems to be an absolute eternity. <laughs> it was it, it, it was honestly a little bit cringeworthy. And I went, yeah, I'm just going to go back to typing things manually. <laughs> and that's my thing about with the HomePod is that if you're going to have Siri on it, that that lag just needs to be gone. It's we're we're in a time now. And I know there are some technical reasons for it, but you know, that time's got to go. Surely for it to you know, otherwise you're 
Well, you asked. No, I was going to say you're spending a lot of money on the speaker, but speakers are a lot of money. And for what people have been saying, this thing sounds pretty damn decent. Yes, from from what I've read, um, those who've been seeded with them and uh, quite a lot of audio type magazines are saying that the sound coming out of this thing is, you know, pretty much as good as you're going to get for anything less than a thousand quid. So, right. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, anyway, the, the main thing in this article uh, says HomePod should work with iCloud Music Library even without the Apple Music service because at the minute it's very unclear, isn't it? It's very, oh. very unclear what, well, uh, or certainly was, what yeah, would and would not work. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, go on, Scott, because I, I think you you might even have put this story in originally. Oh, I, maybe. I don't remember, to be honest. But um, I'm trying to find where it was. Apple did clarify yesterday, though, because... Again, I don't understand what's happening with Apple communication lately. Uh, you know, we could go on and on. The battery thing is one. But um, people were trying to figure out, will this work? Do you have to have an Apple Music subscription? Or will this work with stuff that you already have, like your uh, I- iCloud Music library? And so Apple did come out and clarify that yesterday. And yes, you don't have to have an Apple Music subscription. It will work with stuff you've purchased in iTunes. Also, if you have an iCloud Music library, it'll work with that. And I don't, but I don't see it on their website. I don't know where, uh... but anyway, they, they did. They clarified it. You just can't find it, apparently. Okay. Well, it, it's, I just wonder though, if it'll all, it's like any Apple news, though, will it just get overshadowed by, it's a brilliant speaker and all this, but, and because that's, that is basically with Apple, isn't it? Everything is a, oh, it's great, but this or but that. And the whole Siri thing, it just sort of. Well, there are quite a lot of sort of buts with the HomePod, don't you? You've got to have a, an iOS 11 device to set mm-hmm. it up. So it's Apple only. It's got no Bluetooth. It's got no line in. Right. Um, I mean, we've talked about this before, but yeah, it's, it's it reminds me in some ways of the original iPod before they, you know, uh, when it was FireWire and Mac only. Mm-hmm. It, it's a bit like that. It, it it's. I don't know. Well, yeah, they, they they release a device for they want. This is how Apple see you using this device. It's not like yeah, we want to hook it up to our TV or we want to do this. It's like no, no, no. You know, this device is for listening to music. It's not there for you, you know to make your soap programs mm-hmm. uh, sound half different. Uh, sorry, sound half better. It's if I I will admit it's definitely in the camp for me. If I would, I could. I really because it's yeah. If if here's the thing. Here's where I'm at. So I have a sound bar on our TV currently, and I would just junk that thing and replace it with a HomePod. Except we do most of our watching on Apple TV, and that would be fine. That would work. We could we could AirPlay it to the HomePod. Be, uh, in fact, uh, most almost all of our TV is, but. But my wife does still use over the air for like some of the local channels. And so for that, it wouldn't work. So I can't just get rid of the one speaker and replace it with a HomePod because it wouldn't work at all for when she's just watching the over the air stuff. And if I guess I could say, hey, we're done with over the air or you can just watch it without noise. But (laughs) it's just not worth it. But I mean, I guess Apple envisions people as doing everything through their Apple TV 100 percent of the time. I don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, why would Apple care about you know what you right. can't do? It's and that's sorry, that's, and that sounds very rude, but it would be the Apple way, like, yeah, and so you want to watch it that way? Well, okay, that's up to sure. you. Yeah. Uh, didn't I read somewhere as well that Gu- 
Google released a what was it? They released a YouTube app or YouTube No app. For it's Apple their streaming TV? TV service, I think. Ah, uh, right. Because I did have a look, and of course, here in the UK, we will never get such things. But I couldn't see it, so it's. I mean, you've got an Apple TV, there, Scott. Have you um, have you used the Apple TV app, or is it sunk into you? Because I'm. I still end up swiping through Netflix and swiping through Amazon because I, I just haven't got that bond with it yet, if that makes any uh-huh. sense. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Uh, I think my wife and daughter do use that more than I do. So we have we have a few different services we use. We use the DirecTV Now streaming service, which is basically DirecTV's... Um, DirecTV traditionally is a satellite-based television. You know, it's equivalent to cable, but it goes through satellite. Uh, they also now have this streaming-only package, which is called DirecTV Now, and they have different levels of that. And when it first came out here in the United States, they had a deal where you could get, like, for $30 a month, you would get what now costs 65 bucks or something like that. And they that's a lifetime deal. So right now, if, as long as we keep that, we have $30, $30 a month. And it works pretty well. It's gotten much, much better. So we're using that. So that's how we get most of the channels. You know, it's 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 like standard cable where it's live TV. They are beta testing a DVR function, um, but it's basically your live TV equivalent. It's just a lot cheaper than what we were paying for our cable. And then uh, we have Netflix. We have Amazon Prime, which finally they got an app for that on Apple TV. We have Hulu, uh, the basic $7 a month or whatever it is. Um, and some of that, yes, yeah, some of that stuff shows up in the TV app on Apple TV and some of it doesn't. So it's, I don't use the TV app at all. The only time I use TV app is when I am going to fire it up and watch something that I have purchased in iTunes. Like if I buy a a season of Mr. Robot or whatever, it'll show up in TV app. Fine. I'll use it for that. Um, I don't use it for anything else. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense yet. It's still too fragmented. Stuff is all over the place. I may as well just go directly to those apps. Yeah. I mean, especially when you get that, especially when you use a TV app and with Amazon, you get that horrible jarring experience of coming from the nice Apple interface where all the clicks work and everything's got smooth scrolling and you're basically just banged into a web view. And it's just, and what's worse is that it's not even a seamless sort of transition. It's like you can see the whole window animation of it, you know, swapping across. Uh, I mean, the, the YouTube thing seems interested. So what do we got here? So for $35 a month monthly fee, YouTube includes a bundle of over 50 channels, as well as the option to separately purchase Showtime, Fox, Soccer Plus, Shudder, Sundance Now, and other channels between 5 and 15. Now, see, the problem we've got here in the UK is that we've pretty much, you've got your BBC, your ITV, your Channel 4, but anything else is basically owned by Sky. And they're still, I think the moment that Sky, or what they call Now TV, which is basically a Roku box that's had custom firmware and software put on there, the moment that starts to become uh, Apple TV, then I think we might be onto something interesting. But whether or not Fox and Apple have got any sort of decent working relationship, absolutely no idea. So what's what's the next well, story then? Well, we've got um, Apple whispers farewell to the Mac OS server. Um, rather oh, quietly, yes. um, the Apple started pulling a whole load of server type features out of the server OS, 
which is actually not really a full OS anymore, is it? It's a, an app you download. A number of services will be deprecated and hidden on new installations of an update to Mac OS server coming in the spring of 2018. Deprecated services will be removed in a future release of the Mac OS server, so those depending on them should consider alternate including hosted services. Are we, does this mean we're going to see the uh, the end of the Mac Mini? Mm, no, I don't necessarily think that that's so, Mark. Uh, I, it's just basically uh, they are going to stop supporting DHCP, DNS, mail, what? messages, net install, VPN, web server, wiki, calendar and contact support. Uh, so basically, they're just turning it into a file server. Um, oh, no, because no, it hasn't got DHCP. Well, I suppose it kind of makes sense to remove DHCP if you're going to go into networking and stuff like that. But, but well, then it says they, they then provide a handy list of open source alternatives to each of these so that you can run them on a proper redundant resilient server hardware. So I think you know, most of those services are actually open source, aren't they? So, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Mac server is a very, very small... Um, Why probably did you have in... to put a link in the show notes to Bloomberg? Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's like the first, first, first story. Apple iPhone X price too high for mass adoption from Deutsche Bank. <laughs> oh, God! Oh, <sighs> if my blood pressure wasn't dangerous, it is now. Anyway, uh, the uh, so I suspect that the Mac uh, server is insignificant in Apple's eyes and it's probably just not worth their while bothering to keep up to date with those services. So what you've got is, I mean, server is only now an app, isn't it, that you apply to a to an ordinary uh, Mac OS. I suspect they're just dropping, supporting all those things and saying, if you want to make a Mac OS server, build it yourself, really. Well, given all things considered... Yeah, it, it's not a surprise. It's probably been signalled for a long time coming, and especially now they're sort of like focusing on high-end consumer equipment. Well, I think uh, it was pretty much uh, almost inevitable the minute they, they killed the X-Serve. Yeah. yeah, and and I to be honest, I doubt that anybody running their servers cares that much anyway because most people are keeping up with the, the open source stuff. And just from a security standpoint, with some of the things that we, you've seen in some of the... Um, services running on servers uh, it's better that they do so they can keep updated versions and then apple doesn't have to worry about that nonsense too i don't to be honest i i mean it sounds like oh no apple's dropping another thing but i i honestly don't think this means a whole lot no nor do i i i think that the you know the mac os server market is microscopic insignificant and probably in apple's eyes nothing but a drag you know there are people who have to be allocated to keeping an eye on it whereas if they say right you want those services get the get the open source alternative versions and and run them yourself uh so i wonder what impact it's going to have for services such as mac mini colo or something like you know we get those um server farms where you buy hosting on a mac i wonder what their reaction to it would be that, that'll be worth something uh following up next week yeah uh, right why where are we in the show why do i not know what i'm doing so basically nothing's that i'll tell you we've got a few more stories to go through we'll be going 51 minutes should we all refresh ourselves with a lovely cup of tea and then we'll be right back how does that sound that sounds good hello and good evening this is gads for the my mac podcast 
and we know you have your pick of high-quality downloadable audio content, and we appreciate that you choose ours. Quite right, old bean. This is Guy, and we're here to say that the My Mac podcast is the right choice to make. Intelligent, cultured, and downloaded by only the finest and most educated people. Indeed. In fact, we restrict our delightful missives to only those best suited... Guy, I can't go on with this. Who are we kidding? The MyMac Podcast is probably one of the most accessible shows about OS X and iOS there is. Gaz, we're trying to up our reputation here. Oh, shut it. Listen, folks, tired of tech podcasts that talk over your head and go on too long, taking themselves so seriously, you'd think they were the ones making the product? Then you should listen to the MyMac.com podcast. At least three good chuckles per segment. If my math is right, that's about ten laughs per show. Right. Because three times three is ten. Sometimes I really wonder about you, Guy. No need to wonder where to find the podcast. Just go to iTunes and search for my Mac. Subscribe and jump into the fun. You know, we're part of the Stoplight Network, and there are a lot of important people there. Well, we did say we hardly know anyone important. Though there was that time I was less than 30 feet away from the Waz, and I could have sworn we made eye contact. Most likely, he was having stomach cramps. That would explain why he was doubled over at the time. Check out the Stoplight Network and the MyMac.com podcast. Enjoy it over a copper. That's better. Just got yourself a cup of tea. And you know how it goes. Basically, shop at Amazon. If you click our link, shop, check out, we will get a very, very small kickback. It is really small, but just like all of our amazing Patreon subscribers, everything goes back into the show. Things like paying for the hosting, the website, all that stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Every single square cent goes into that mix. Right then, let's get back on with the show. And I, even though I just sort of called out what we're going to do next, I actually can't remember. Oh, that's right, Telegram, removed from the Apple Store due to inappropriate content. Now, I didn't quite understand this. And there's, well, I'll tell you, I'll read the tweet from one of the Telegram uh, people. We were alerted by Apple that inappropriate content was made available to our users and both apps were taken off the store. Once we have protections in place, we expect the apps to be back on the App Store. Now, I saw this, and this is one of those stories I was supposed to follow up on. Does anybody actually know what this inappropriate content was? Uh, no, not specifically, but uh when i looked into this story and actually scott and i were talking about it in the slack room um there has been um apparently isis type uh propaganda broadcast across telegram apparently there's some kind of broadcasting uh feature available inside telegram and it has been misused by certain people to spread propaganda. Um, and I, th- I think it might have something to do with that because obviously it allowed people to push stuff to Telegram users without actually being directly connected to them, you know, as in... Yeah, so basically it's like a, an unauthorised mass broadcast uh, type yes. of... Uh, so I, 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 I don't know that for a fact, but that is my supposition based on what I uh, could find. And it's back now, so it obviously wasn't taken down for very long. And I, as I don't use Telegram, um, 
because it's not half as secure as it likes to make out, as far as I can tell. Uh, I, I don't know that, you know, but it's back in the App Store now, so I suspect they simply disabled the broadcast to everybody function, and life's all good again. We will, yeah, we'll try and do a bit of follow-up on this. I, I used to use Telegram back on the Mac and forth days, and I don't know, what did we switch to? I can't, I think we went basically into Slack, uh, and oh, Slack is getting a lot of slack, fully enough, because of the engine that it uses. And uh, again, on ATP, they were just saying, why can't they just go native? Why can't they just do a Mac app instead of it being, which is pretty much a... It's based on IRC, app. isn't it? It is, but it's the whole web interfacey sort of thing. There, There's a lot of technical jargon there for you, Scott. You know, the web interfacey sort of thing. Uh, just gobbling up RAM and processor resources. Uh, and you would think by now uh, they would have something a bit more native. But hey, what do I know? I can only make my ill-informed opinions published to the web uh, via the medium that is this podcast. Right, uh, what do we got then? Uh, I'll tell you, we'll, we'll shift off Apple a little bit now for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the show. Uh, this is an interesting one. Open, sur- open source, open source turns twenty. Looks to attract normal people. Yeah. Next year <laughs> will be the uh, year of Linux on the desktop. That is exactly <laughs> what I thought of when I read that. I just laughed and laughed. I know it's a killer headline, isn't it? Um, well, basically, it, it is what it is. Uh, the term open source, because obviously free and open software was around long before 20 years ago, uh, but open source was coined uh, 20 years ago, uh, replacing the previous, uh, previously Richard Stallman's used term of free software, which, of course, always brings up the thing of free as in beer or free as in... Um, so Nothing. yeah, well, well, free as in beer or free as in uh, open to you know your own use. So there we go. Uh, the thing about looking to attract normal people is a rather, I suspect, written deliberately by the journalist at the register to catch people's attention. But of course, what they're actually talking about is how open source is really quite mainstream these days, um, and that what they're really looking to do is to spread the idea of open source uh, ever further uh, open source is great right up until the fi- time that you find an app that sounds really really promising and really really good only to find it's been discontinued or some other stuff like that has just happened to me a few times yeah well <laughs> yeah um, it does happen but then that happens with proprietary software as well stuff gets true. discontinued all the time um and on the what should I say? On the theme of open source, uh, just as a aside, LibreOffice uh, released version six of their software this week. So there you go. Which was met by silence by all. No, to be <laughs> fair, it, it's. I, I keep meaning to do the experiment of how much pain can I take in a week before I go back to a Mac backup and install Linux. Uh, or Linux, but then you go to someone, oh, what versions should I install? And oh, you just hear the eyes rolling whenever you go. <laughs> Uh, right, I'll tell you, what, what was that other story about? Uh, da, 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 NVIDIA proves cloud can replace a high-end gaming rig. Yeah, as long as you've got fiber and it doesn't work because you've still got latency. And uh, who was it? Was it BT who did something with one game? Or This was tried ages ago. And I remember this because I was playing Splinter Cell uh, on my Mac and it was almost there, almost. 
But you know what it's like when you're in a situation, you've got to try and shoot someone in the head, and I'm no gamer whatsoever. Surprise, surprise. That almost there just doesn't cut it. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye on that one. But I can't remember what that company was. One, one something or other. Uh, what else have we got? Let's have a look here. Yeah, there's one here that might quick mention. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Vivaldi browser, but it's one that I thought this uh, might catch Scott's attention. Uh, Vivaldi browser launches a vertical reader mode for East Asian languages. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. I haven't tried it out yet, but I'm going to uh, just for fun. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I would say that on uh, particularly, I don't know if there's an iOS version, but on your on a phone, I would have thought the ability to do vertical reader would be really quite useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. Um, I'm just having a look now. Oh, this looks. It's yeah, quite a natty. Yeah. It's quite a natty browser. It has quite a lot of you know. It has um, rearrangeable web panes, so you can have kind of mini websites in your sidebar, and it has. A, a now markdown compatible notes kind of taker and things in it. It's it's a, a little bit different to the run of the mill browsers, that's for sure. I might give that a try. It's my weekend project. In fact, if anyone is out there and they've got a bit of software that's a little bit quirky or a little bit weird or that they want us to chomp our teeth on that we may have never sort of heard of or done anything with before, uh, send us a message to our essential Apple on the Twitter and we will take a look at it and we will uh, give our thoughts. I'm always up for a bit of a challenge uh, set to us by users. Uh, the next one. So do you want to take this one, Simon? A Florida man becomes the first person to live with an advanced mind-controlled robot- robotic arm. So what's all the shenanigans about with this one? Uh, well, this one's from Futurism. It came it came up in my Apple News feed. Um, and it's about a guy who is going to not just test, but be given to use for a year um, an advan- a mind-controlled robotic arm. So uh, it's a, you know, it's a robotic prosthetic uh and it will be controlled by thought uh in the way as we've we've talked about similar things previously uh this is this one was developed by uh darpa and uh this guy lost his arm uh due to cancer uh and has been given this uh advanced uh arm to to trial Uh, it works by picking up obviously nerve electronic nerve signals from from the uh, stump and uh, he is going Ooh, to use it basically for a year just having a look at it it's it's freaky looking and i mean that in the most scientifically i watch yeah. the video it's amazing oh i just am it's like literally he's got well, i suppose it's the only word you can call it it's basically a stump with a, a, a big chunk of metal coming out of it which then goes on to like an elbow joint to the rest of the arm uh and it's fascinating it really really is it, the whole the whole idea of how does the brain interface with something like this and and then through your thoughts you can learn how to make it like your own limb it's really amazing because when you look at the metal attachment on his arm you wouldn't think that it was capable at least i from the glance i got it doesn't look like it's capable of routing individual signals to certain places um maybe it doesn't maybe that's not how it works i don't even know but it just it's just crazy it's it's uh very cool looking if i've got to say one thing about it so on the you know on the segment of the arm that still remains it's, it's basically got what's what looks like bluetooth receivery type things i suspect um, i haven't i haven't watched the video but i suspect that those are actually pickups those are measuring the nerve yeah but it looks like they look like they're on blinking tight they look like they're having a bit of a pinch there to be fair 
well, I mean, it could be that those are, you know, those are picking up the signals and then trans mm. transmitting them to the to the rest yeah. of the arm. Maybe that. Mm. I mean, that that metal piece coming out of his stump, I suspect, is probably screwed directly into the uh, bone the of bone. his upper arm. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, what... And anyway, so that was, you know, I like these sort of stories. This is technology. It's not only is it welcome to the future, but this is, you know, like the ones we were talking about the other week. You know, technology to help people blind people see or technology that improves prosthetics um and it says here while this prosthetic device is impressive it, it is not a limitless all-powerful robot arm um he's not going to be allowed to get it wet and he is not allowed to drive whilst using it so uh there you go but other than that the idea is he is to use it pretty much all the time and see you know test it to destruction to some extent so he's not going to be uh diving into the ocean like in ghost in the shell is what you're saying no he won't be doing that or you know what i liked I about this uh, what i loved about this was the headline because it says florida man are you guys familiar with the florida man meme mm, no no oh just google florida man because florida man is synonymous with anybody who does anything stupid every florida man is the dumbest ever and it's just hilarious there's so many stories that start florida man and then insert uh, stupid right. activity here okay so when i saw oh, this i was yeah, expecting yeah, another yeah, florida man yeah. story and then it wasn't so i thought that was pretty cool <laughs> I was wondering how he gets to know how much grip he's. Um, yeah, how, right. How, what yeah. Grip feedback is like. I assume. I assume uh, he has some kind of feedback. Uh, maybe those, you know, maybe those things on his upper arm also, uh, you know, have some kind of stimulus in them to give him some kind of sensation. They said on there he's been practicing using this thing for a year. Mm. They, he was he's been practicing for a year before they finally brought it to him to give him this whatever it was three month um, use it at home thing or whatever he's doing. But yeah, a year of practice. So it's not like they bolted this on and instantaneously. His oh no, brain and no. Like the like uh, we had we did cover a story like this uh, some shows ago uh, where a, a woman was controlling a, a robotic arm in the lab, uh, and and that was the same. It was like you know that was a lab proving that you could operate a, a, prosthetic, a prosthetic limb using um, mind control, as it were. Um, so that, you know, I like those stories. I really yeah, do. It's always good to see what may be hopefully coming down you know, the, the long, long road. But I think what we'll, we, we can end the, the show on a, a bit more of a, a lighter note with, I love these government type stories. Walla Hancock up. MP social network app is a privacy disaster. Move over Zuckerberg. There's a new social media overlord in town. Grime name aficionado and Tory MP Matt Hancock. Uh, he's decided to up his tech game by launching his very own app, but reports have emerged it doesn't adhere to any of the data protection policies he touts in his day job. Uh, now, apparently this app is supposed to help his constituency engage with their MP, uh, but it's not gone well. As well as a Facebook-style newsfeed, there's also a live stream section, which, although lacking an actual live stream, has a running mid sorry a running mid nineties style chat room thread with Jeremy Corbyn is asking ASL. Oh, I remember those days. Oh, they were <laughs> hell. How are you? Fine. ASL. Oh, shut up. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just reading. The more and more I read this, it's uh. So the app is actually called Matt Hancock. So if you're on like an Android device or an iOS device, uh, it will go. Do you want to? So you know, like in some apps, you have to give permission for your photos and all your contacts. So what's happening here is because the app is called Matt Hancock. When it asks for permission to get to your files, it says, <laughs> "Allow Matt Hancock to access photos, media, and files on your device." Yeah, him uh, personally. Personally, allow him to access your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, it, it, if you read down, it gets worse. I mean, the register it says here, not being the type to sign up to an app without checking the privacy policy, took a dive into the policy with the assistance of a lawyer. Um, as the minister trumpeting the UK's data protection reforms, this app is sure to be in the clear, right? Uh, well, no. The first line says, accepting this privacy policy, among other things, you consent to us sharing and processing data in a variety of ways, while the list of third parties it will share it with begins with including, i.e. this is not a comprehensive list. Yes, uh, and data right collected that, no? may yeah. include pretty much everything you can think of. Uh, it collects your contact information, your friend list, your check-ins, uh, a whole list of other things which don't appear to be in the least bit necessary for uh, such an app and uh, therefore not very good at all. That's a, that's a D minus. You're supposed to be the digital secretary and you are an idiot. Oh, you know what's, but you know what's happened here? He's had an idea. He's gone out. He's found a company that will make apps on da cheap. And they've used boilerplate template of uh, text for everything. And it'll be, and, but the thing is, it's like, he should know about GDPR. And, you know, where is all this data being held? Where is the server that's got this information? Because you're not allowed to let it outside the UK. Um, oh, here it is. It has also been pointed out that the developer Disciple Media Limited, which pinches off a dime, doesn't answer anyone will pay them, does not appear on the data protection registry of the Information's Commissioner Register Office. There we go. Point proved. He's gone out, found a company saying, can I have an app, please? And, yeah. Yeah, that, that's it. It's a cookie-cutter app with boilerplate permissions. Um, and apparently there's also a bug that even if you don't give it permission to access your photographs, it does anyway. And on that bombshell, <laughs> I don't think there's any other room or any other... Yeah, let's just end it there. Well, I don't. we will do the worth of chirp because Dougie... Oh, yes, we have got a worth of chirp. Uh, I, I, have, I, I will try my same board. Yes, that's not worked. Uh, so we've got a couple of... Uh, following on the back of this, we've got a couple of privacy security focus tools this week, courtesy of our very own Slack room digital forensic expert at Dougie in our chat room. And if you want to join, again, you can tweet at Central Apple and we will open the doors and you can join the madness even though I've not been there. So what have we got first then? We've got Pseudo App, which lets you create multiple pseudo identities for free, each with its own custom phone number and email address. Okay, we need to see what that's all about. Uh, yes, well, uh, Dougie pointed us to this. It allows you to create up to nine what they call avatars with uh, an email address, a phone number, which work they're kind of virtual but they work and the, the the main idea of course is you can use them to sign up uh, as dougie said he used them when he wanted to uh, check out a car one of these um you know we check out your potential car oh we buy any car type well there are places where you can put in the registration of a car and it will, it will send you back its insurance history to make oh, sure it's not been yep. spanged pranged stolen or otherwise messed about with 
Um, and he's that was the one where he said, oh, I wanted to cite, you know, check out this vehicle. So I used a sudo identity to do that. Um, and then, you know, I'm glad I did because within 10 minutes, you know, they were trying to ring me, obviously, no doubt to you know, spam me. So he says, then you just throw away that phone number and, and create another one. What the hell are making money off this? Because you've got free calling, free messaging, free email, end to end and shop online. It's like I'm just scrolling down and going, OK, where are the in-app purchases? Yeah, the only thing is resetting a phone number. So if you want to trash one and, and generate a new one, apparently it looks like it's a buck thirty nine or whatever. Um that's a small price to pay to stop right. KPI people calling you. Uh, as that seems to, I, I mistakenly, uh, whenever I uh, go onto a website, I always enter the last three digits of my number wrong. And the one time I didn't, the one time this week my phone has been ringing, going, "Hello, we hear you've been in an accident." Oh God! Yeah. So, so I just leave a. So I just go, "Yes, I have. I'm in an ambulance now. Send help." And they always hang up on me. <laughs> But anyway, that is exactly what this is for. It generates uh, uh, emails and uh, virtual phone numbers and so on, which you can dispose of should you feel the need. Um, and if you need to generate a complete fake identity, uh, there's fakenamegenerator.com, which uh, literally oh, does... Oh, this is good. That generates a whole identity. You can choose oh. what country of origin, what thing, and it will generate... Uh, names, addresses. So you your fake credit card as well. Yeah. Now those, all those numbers. If you read about the thing, uh, the the social security numbers slash uh, national insurance number, uh, credit card numbers, all things like that are are not real and will never be real. But they match uh, verification algorithms. So you can't use them to defraud anybody. But, but the whole idea is that check, yeah. yeah. But when you um. When you generate one of those, if you scroll down there, it gives you everything. Mother's maiden name, you know, what car you drive, what your pet's name is, you know, all the sort of things that you get asked when you sign up for services, fill in the security questions. So it tells you there what your favourite colour is, where you work, what you do, uh, all that stuff. I wish to be known as Jay Patel, uh, mother maiden name Banks. Uh, I've got a phone number. I was born in 1990. I'm an Aquarius. Uh, I give you. Uh, apparently, my website is Geek Register. Uh, employment cut above, and my occupation is a school bus driver. I'm five foot nine and eighty five gra- uh, eighty five kilos. Yes, I did. I did notice that the um, the who you work for and what your job title are don't appear to be meshed in any such way. As uh, I generated one. And I, I think it, it what sounded like a building firm, and then uh, my occupation was nail technician. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to be using this. In fact, I might even have an alter ego called Susan Berry. Yeah. Uh, I'm 62 and I'm an Aries. There you go. So Sometimes it's friendship, and my, uh, my kids always come first with me, which seems to be on every single dating profile ever. But we won't go into that. That's a completely different podcast. <laughs> so, uh, right, you know what? We've been going for ages, so let's get out of here and actually do something with our Sunday afternoon. Scott, thank you ever so much for coming on to the show. Again, if you just want a PP2 podcast, website, social media, now is the time to do it, good sir. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you can go to pocketsizedpodcast.fm for the hopefully forever revitalized Pocket Sized Podcast. You can go to nihongo.audio, I hope that's it, for uh, Don't Nihongo It Alone. And I actually have a third one with my friend Peter called Not Speeding in Reverse at notspeedinginreverse.com. 
And then Twitter is Scott A W, and that's it. Awesome! Thank you very much for coming on and giving up your Sunday morning, and hopefully your daughter has been able to keep herself occupied. What was that website again? Not speeding again? Yeah, not speeding in reverse. Dot com. We could not find a longer domain name. We just couldn't. So <laughs> what is this? Oh right, I'm gonna. Oh, that's my. Uh, that's my. You didn't take care of. Again, Scott, thank you very much for coming on, Simon. If they want to get a hold of you, how can they do so, good sir? Well, I am of course on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S E R E N A K. Uh, and I also, of course, I'm in the Slack room and occasionally I post stuff on the Google+. Plus. Awesome. Thank you very much. And again, thank you very much for covering for the last few weeks. I've been Mark Chappell. I've been your host for this week. Hopefully I'm going to be back next week. It all depends on what happens this week. Uh, so you can find us at Essential Apple. If you want to follow us on the Twitter, it's at Essential Apple on the Twitter. I've just said that, haven't I? Uh, we're at EssentialApple.com is what I meant to say. Or you can follow me at Ocean Speed. And hopefully I'll be back next week and until then take it easy enjoy the world of apple and remember life is precious so no matter what you do no matter where in the day just take a moment just to think about something nice and smile and on that note we're out of here cheerio everyone bye bye <laughs> we we'll have to edit that one in i was i was trying not to ruin the end of the podcast we are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan show, the Three Geeky Ladies, the Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, the Club Nintendo, and many, many more. looking for a podcast to get your geek on then listen to my favorite ladies podcast the three geeky ladies join Alyssa, suze and vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention the three geeky ladies podcast on the my mac podcasting network Central Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.